Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church this morning. Um, we are picking up our, our month of November. We've just finished a series in the letter of 1 John. And what we've decided to do before our, our December Christmas series was as a teaching team, we are going to take each, we'll take a passage that uh, a, has been a personal encouragement or a challenge a, uh, for life that has meant something to us as individuals or um, something that, that has become vital for us in ministry that we would like to share that will be helpful to us as a family, as a community, and as a church. And uh, I've been, as I was reflecting over this, uh, what, what that would be, and just this, real, this, this week I've had this real-time experience and been reminded of my great need. And we have this great need no matter what we do in life. Um, and one of our greatest needs that I've come to realize uh, again this week, but over many years now in ministry, is our need to be continually finding our strength in God. We continually need to be finding our strength in God. And added to that, I would say, importantly, is how to strengthen someone else's hand in God. We need to be continually strengthening in God, but also as a community and as a family and as a church, fundamentally, how do we strengthen one another's hands in God? And life is tough and difficult. And no, I don't think I have to convince you this morning how difficult life is. Uh, 2020 has affirmed that, I think, quite clearly, that life is difficult. And we can't persevere in faith uh, and be faithful to God and flourish and find the, the, the joy in life and remain faithful to God in this journey if we aren't continually finding strength in God. And I, I would also then add, as I've said, state to that, that others and helping others find their strength or their strengthening others' hand in God so that we could continue to persevere in this journey of faith that is life and very difficult. And life isn't lived alone. Uh, we don't have the strength to live alone. And, and there's a reason God has brought us into community is so that we can find strength in God but help one another and strengthen one another in God. And life can be very lonely. And as, I, as I'm reflecting on this learning, just this very week, as I, I was found myself down in East London and dealing with this with my family, my brother and my mother, and it's just been a very difficult year and a few years, the heartache and the pain, the anxiety and the struggle that has been going on in our family. And I was just challenged again as I was driving back, is my own failing to be strengthening them in the Lord? How have I done in strengthening their hand in God and in their weakness? And it's so weak at the moment, and there's so much hurt. And I've just missed that opportunity as I've realized again is my need to be helping them in their need to find strength in God. How can I strengthen their hand in a way that is going to equip them? How can I strengthen their hand in a way that they could process their experience and the reality that they're going through at the moment in a way that would lift them up through their difficulties and set them on a path that they could find hope again and joy in the midst of very difficult uh, circumstances? So my personal reflection today is to remind us uh, to remind myself and to challenge us of this great need to continually be finding strength in God and to actively start to help and strengthen others find their hands in God. So let's turn to a text. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. It's 1 Samuel chapter 23, and it's verses 15 through 18. 
It's a passage that I've preached on before, and it's a passage that is really just challenging me and taking time just to reflect on this again is this, this need that I have. Um, as, as I said, not just in my own personal experience, but as a pastor often, uh, I've realized over the years that I don't have many people come and strengthen my hand in God. Pastors tend to be seen as lepers sometimes, like no one feels that they can come and strengthen our hands. And the reality is I'm in deep need if I'm to last the journey of faith. I need someone to strengthen my hand in God. So let's read this passage together, um, starting in verse 15. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. So Saul is the king, and he is trying to kill David, who's in hiding. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid. He said, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and then Jonathan went home. But David remained at Horesh. So what I want to do is, well, let me start there, the context of the passage. The first thing is that we have the scenario where David is in hiding, and he's fearing for his life. And the king, Saul, is trying to hunt him down and kill him. And David is tired. He is weak. He's overwhelmed. There's a sense of hopelessness about it that he is running for his life. And he's been doing so for some time. And he's lonely. And he, he's in need of strength. He's in need of somebody to come and strengthen him in a very dire situation. Um, to make matters worse, if you go back in chapter 16, if you remember, God has already chosen and anointed through the prophet Samuel that David would be the king. But here he is in hiding, fearing for his life with King Saul, trying to kill him. And his present reality is such that the promises of God are seemingly not coming true. He finds himself, there's this promise and anointing of God, but in his current reality, the promises of God are seemingly not true and he may have felt this, I've been deserted by God. And his faith in God or his hope and his trust in God is being pressed as he is finding himself tiring and being isolated. And if you think of it, a, this becomes a fertile breeding ground for, for you to lose hope and faith in God. A fertile breeding ground. And I think for many of us, there is, we could say our present realities of our experiences this year are such that the promises of God for us are seemingly not coming true. As you are facing all these difficulties. And just like David, we need someone. We need someone to enter into our context. We need someone to enter into our lives to strengthen us and to help us again find strength in God. To be renewed in our faith. And that we would be, begin to have our eyes lifted up and to see with eyes of faith through these realities to get a clearer, bigger picture again of who God is and who we are in the light of God. And have our eyes set upon God again in the midst of what we're experiencing. So what I want to do is, firstly, is give us three principles from this passage to help us 
grow in strengthening one another's hands in God? How can we grow in strengthening one another's hands in God? And then I want to end with a moment to strengthen us. Because as we come together, we want to be strengthened by God this morning and have our hope and our faith renewed in Him. So let's look at those principles first. The first principle is association. If you look at verse 16, it says, Jonathan rose and went to David at Horesh. Verse 17, uh, David, uh, Jonathan says to David, you shall be king, and then he says, I will be right here next to you. There's this principle of association. Jonathan has taken the initiative, and he's gone to go and be with David. He, it says he rose, and he went to be with David. He doesn't bump into David. It's not by chance or accident. There is a, a planning and an initiative and a conscious effort on the part of Jonathan to go and enter into David's situation and be with him. There's something profound and transformative that happens when you enter into the presence of somebody else with them in their, in, in their life experience. And what we need this morning is the presence of people in our lives with us. It's this simple act of stepping out of your context and stepping into the context of someone else's life and you associate with them in their moment what they're going through. And there's this transformative, strengthening power that happens in this process of associating and being with people. And the point here is often our presence is far more powerful than anything we could ever say. Just that step of going to be with someone. And our presence alongside and associating with others is very, very powerful. And there are people this morning who are not here with us. They just can't bring themselves to come here. Life this year has cut in on them in horrific ways. And there are people here with us this morning who just can't bring themselves to even find faith and hope in God, and they are hopeless or lonely, or you're feeling the anxieties of your future pressing in on you, and your hope and faith in God might be dissipating. And all you need is someone to cross the enemy lines, so to speak, like Jonathan, and enter with you in your moment. And association is immensely powerful and transformative and strengthening for people. And that's what God does. See, God comes from heaven to earth to be with us. See, God takes the initiative when we were his enemy, shaking our fist at him, when we were lost without hope, wanting nothing to do with God. But he, in and of himself, takes the initiative and enters into our world at great cost, and the loss of his own son, God comes to be with us. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And the very presence of God as he enters into your life changes everything. See, we would not know, you would not experience the God of all comfort unless he brings himself to be with you. You would not know the fullness of God's love and mercy and grace unless God comes to be with you. And this, this act of Jonathan, of just going and being with David, starts this, this transformative, strengthening process in the life of David. 
It's a significant moment, and we lose this fact on us, is that as David now is strengthened again with Jonathan coming to him, he begins to stay the course of God's promise and anointing over his life. He continues on in his journey. Yes, you will be the king. And ultimately, through David comes the ultimate, true, eternal king, Jesus. And there's this moment of association of someone entering into his life, strengthening him in the promises of God that he would push on. And that through the line of David, we get to see the line of Jesus, the true king. So often, our first step as a family to strengthen one another in God is to, or strengthen one another's hand in God is simply just going to be with someone. And as Jonathan says to David, I will be right next to you. As God is right with you and with us. So we need to ask ourselves, just from an application perspective, who is it that we could go be with? How could I go and associate with someone? It could, just, it could be a gift. It could just be a phone call. It could be, a, it could be some, just, there are so many ways that you could, as a family, we need to be growing in as a church that God has brought us together and we're in desperate need to continually be finding our strength in God and taking each other by the hand and helping them find strength in God. How can we be associating with one another in ways that strengthen each other? The second principle to help us grow in this area is affirmation. In verse 17, uh, Jonathan comes to David and says, you shall be king. He's affirming David about his identity. He says, you shall be king. He reminds him because he's forgotten. And he's affirming David. And affirmation isn't just simple platitudes or building up someone's ego with good words. Affirmation always is linked to identity. And identity is this transformative identity of our lives that, that changes and influences the way we live. Like this is who you are, and therefore you live out of that, and that's what we do. And David needs to be reminded and affirmed in his identity. And identity is fundamental to the human life. We all assume and take on an identity, and that shapes who we are, and it shapes how we process the realities around us. It shapes how we interact and what we do with our lives. And I'm certain, because I know it's in my life, and I think we all have these experiences, that if you reflect it for a moment, you will know of a person and a moment of someone you've esteemed, respected, looked up to in some way, has spoken directly or through a book or something affirmation and words of identity over your life that has radically changed the way you think and see yourself. And many of you might be sitting here as a result of someone who's come into your life and spoken words of affirmation and defining identity over you. And Jonathan is affirming David in his God-given identity. You shall be king. And he needs to be reminded of this. And there's this newfound strength that David begins to grow in when he realizes and he's reminded again of God's purposes and plans and who he is and what God has called him to be. And it changes the way he begins to respond to God. 
and his current difficult realities. There's this moment of this is faith that is growing in David. There's a faith that's put into David when he is reminded and he's affirmed in who he is. You shall be king. And this is what God has called you to be and do. And he has the strength that grows in him to go on. And he becomes the king. And on the other side of the coin, I think we all realize and know how destructive it is. A lack of identity is in someone's life. Be it ourselves or others that we've interacted with. There is a lack of identity. A person is riddled with deep-seated insecurities. How destructive it is to them and it's destructive to the people around them in terms of broken relationships or joy or experience of life. And insecurity breaks down and, 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 and it can destroy and it can rob and suck the life out of you when we are controlled by our insecurities. With, we, we do not know who we truly are. We are not rooted in a true and genuine identity. And that's why this is so powerful and transformative in this process of strengthening one another. In God's hand is this affirmation of identity. And that's the heart of the Christian message. A central theme of the gospel message that we have is identity. It's the bedrock on which we get rooted. It's the compass that gives us direction in life. And Jesus himself, if you reflect for a moment, has an affirming, identifying moment that sparks him and launches him off on his ministry. See, up to a certain point in his life, Jesus was a carpenter, and he was just making tables and chairs. And then we have Jesus' baptism. And at his baptism, what do you see? The Spirit of God descends upon him, and then the voice of God booms out for everyone to hear. And what does God say? This is my son, and in him I'm well pleased. There's this direct affirmation and identification of God on his son, Jesus. And I'm pleased in him. And Jesus rises out of the water in the power of the Spirit, and he goes and he fulfills the mission of who he was to be and do. At great opposition and at great cost to death, Jesus goes, and he rises up in this defining, affirming moment of clarity that God speaks over his life. You are my son, and I'm pleased with you. And there's power, and Jesus himself has that spoken over him. And he knows what to go and do and be because he has very clear understanding of his identity. And we need to hear those words this morning. Every single one of us in our journey of faith need to continually be reminded of so that we might be strengthened in our lives today that you are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son, and I delight in you, that I've chosen you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I've, I, I've formed you together. You are my work of art, the Bible says. With my very own hands, I've crafted you in the womb of your mother, and I've set you apart for good works and with purpose to do. I've put my value and my worth, and your dignity has come from me over you. And once you were far off and you were lost, but now I've brought you near, I've brought you in, I've ransomed you, I've purchased you, I've adopted you. You were lost and far off without a home, and now I've brought you into my home, that you are my very own children, and I delight in you. And I look over you with great favor, 
And once you were fouled and dirty in your sin, once you were unclean, but now I have made you new. I've washed you clean. My blood has come over you that you might be made new, and you are now in every way perfect in my sight. And there is nothing, there is nothing that you can say, do, or think that will change that truth. That the God of all creation, his voice is booming down like it does over Jesus. You are mine. You are mine, and I delight in you. There's an eternal security and assurance that comes with that wonderful truth of affirmation of an identity. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of what the world is showing you, regardless of what you might be facing in reality, this is the eternal truth that roots you and establishes you and encourages you and strengthens you. And it gives you direction. We need to be reminded like David needs to be reminded. We need to be strengthened again with this newfound faith in God that God today hasn't forgotten you. God today hasn't deserted you. He hasn't left you. In fact, God is right here, right now with you. That you are his beloved child in whom he delights. And that is a wonderful truth that we need to be reminding ourselves with and reminding one another and putting their hand back in the hand of God and strengthening them with the reality that they've lost sight of who they are. Life has sideswiped you and someone needs to come along and lift your hand up again and say, let me affirm you. Let me remind you. Let me show you. This is who God is. And this is who you are in light of his son, Jesus. The third principle is exhortation. You see in verse 17, this affirmation leads to exhortation. David hears these words. Jonathan comes to him. And what does he say? He exhorts David. He says, do not fear. David is currently in the grip of fear. Fear has overwhelmed him. Anxiety about his future, his uncertainty, his life is at risk. And Jonathan comes and exhorts him and he says, do not fear. And what he's doing is he's calling him out of his reality that he's experiencing and he's bringing him back into his true identity because he says, do not fear, you shall be the king. There's an exhortation into your identity. There's an affirming exhortation to bring you back into the reality of who God is and how he sees you, that you shall be king. And that's what it means to exhort one another. The, the, the root word, one of the root words of exhortation is invite. And what we're doing is in this process of strengthening one another in God is that you're inviting people back into their God-given identity as his beloved children. You are inviting them back into God's promises that he's given to you. You are inviting them back into God's purpose for their lives. You're inviting them back to see reality again through the eyes of God filled with faith. You're inviting them out of the circumstances that are crushing them and to find themselves and help them see themselves within the goodness of God's hand again in the grip of his grace and his mercy by simply reminding them of who God is and who they are in the light of that. You exhort people to remind them to see God more clearly. David is not seeing God as clearly as he could. Fear has gripped him and he needs to be exhorted. He needs to be invited back to look again at God to have his faith filled and strengthened. He needs to be invited again to see himself in light of how God sees him, that he is a king whom God has called. And that is the power that begins to transform and strengthen David. 
It's this exhortation. See, because life cuts in on us. And this year, life has cut in on many, many of us. And it distorts the truth as we wake up each day. And it's genuine things that are confronting us, that are pushing in on us. And we need someone to help us to be strengthened in God again, to see truly, to see rightly, to see through that which is leading us astray. So we must exhort. We must exhort to look again at God and find strength. We must invite one another back, not to drift off and run away. We bring people back, invite them back into the presence of God and God's family to turn again and help them place their faith back in God and his eternal promises. And that we could say with, with Jonathan, yes, David. Yes, David, you will be the king. That you are a child of God. That you are his beloved daughter in whom he delights. Let me exhort you. Let me remind you. Let me affirm you. Let me lead you back that you might find strength again. And what's the purpose of all of this? See, we're not just doing it to say nice things to people. Jonathan has a purpose. See, David needs to put his hand back in the hand of God. Jonathan goes to take, literally take the hand of David and put it back in the hand of God. Verse 16 it says, Jonathan went to David at Horesh, and he strengthens his hand in God. That's why he goes. He goes to strengthen David's hand in God. And that's what we must do. We're in need this morning of someone to strengthen your hand in God. And if we're honest, we all need continually that strengthening of our hand in God. And if you don't, look what happens. If we're not growing in this way, if we're not strengthening ourselves in God with one another, look what happens. David has started to hold the hand of another God. In time, David has begun to hold the hand of fear. David is slipping out of the hand of God and he's putting his hand in the hand of fear. And the hand of fear is enslaving and it grips him. And there's a sense of lostness and hopelessness and he's, he's weakening he forgets the promise that God has over his life. He forgets who God is. He forgets who he is in the light of that. And Jonathan comes to David literally to take his hand out of the hand of fear. And he takes his hand and he wants to put it back in the hand of God by reminding and affirming him once more. And that's the purpose here. As I reflected on this myself, is that I am in great need to be strengthened in God again and again. I need people to come and strengthen me in the hand of God. You need someone to come and strengthen you in the hand of God. And it can happen to us so easily. And I suspect many of us today are holding the hand of fear at the moment. There might be loss of employment, loss of income, selling of houses and cars, or fearing for something. And for many this year has moved us and weakened us that we might be holding the hand of fear. And just like David, we need to be strengthened again and have our hand taken back and put in the hand of God. What we need is someone to come and associate with you. What you need is someone to enter into your context. What you need is someone to take you by the hand and say, let me affirm you. What you need is someone to say, come on, let me exhort you and invite you back into the truth. What you need is someone to say, let me put your hand back in God's hand so that we can be strengthened and grow in faith and hope. So 
And you might be thinking, I'm not that person. I'm the one who needs my hand taken. So I want to take a moment to strengthen us. I want to take a moment to strengthen you in God. So let's look a little bit closer at Jonathan. You see, Jonathan, this wasn't easy for him. Jonathan has to cry in defiance of his father, the king. And in fact, Jonathan does at great cost. Jonathan does so at the loss of his kingship. In effect, this act of Jonathan is to give up his kingship because he is the heir to the throne. He's the genuine heir to, the, to, to be the king. And here he is. He comes to David. And what does he say? You will be king, and I will be right next to you. And the direct translation of that is, I will be second in charge. Jonathan is giving up his kingship so that David might be strengthened. And he says, you will be the king, and I won't. How do you do that? Who would do that? Who would do that for me? Who would do that for you? Who gives up his kingship so that we might become royalty? The only way that Jonathan can do that is because Jonathan has been strengthened in God because Jonathan has come to know the God who does that himself. See, Jonathan knows the father of all comfort who gives up all of his comforts to be the king so that Jonathan might know and receive the crown of love and affirmation that Jonathan truly needs, the only crown that he needs. And as we look today, we look at Jonathan, but we don't need Jonathan. We need a greater Jonathan to enter into our lives, and we have one. We have the greater Jonathan, Jesus, because Jesus is the one who truly crosses all the enemy lines. Jesus is the one who comes from heaven to earth to live with us in our imperfect, broken comfort of this world that we might receive the full comfort of knowing him as our father, as his children. And Jesus becomes a man. Jesus is the one who associates and identifies with us in our lostness and our hopelessness and our despair. The one who gives up his throne. Jesus is the one who gives up his crown. Jesus is the one who gives up his right to rule and humbles himself, setting aside all of his divine rights to come alongside us that we might be brought in and know the true God of comfort. Jesus is the greater Jonathan, the one to whom you need to look this morning to receive afresh the strengthening that your heart so desperately needs and the encouragement. Jesus knows it was right for him to be the king, that he is the son of the true king. But he sets aside his kingship, and Jesus ultimately loses the hand of his father so that you and I might receive the firm grip of the father. And he does so in the most horrific, terrible way, on the cross to death. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, Jesus cries out. Hand is slipping out the hand of the father so that our hands might be placed in to the king himself. So when the father of creation this morning looks down upon you, when he speaks these words, you are my son and you are my daughter and whom I'm well pleased, those are your words this morning. And they can never be taken away from you. And nothing you can do can change that reality because Jesus has given up his right so that you might have your hand placed in God's forever. And these are words, not of a, these are not random or arbitrary words. These are not words of a random and arbitrary person. These are the words of God himself. When he speaks, he creates and life comes into being. And these are the words of God over you this morning. And may you hear this truth. And may you be exhorted back into this reality of the love of God for you.
that you might receive afresh the hand of God and be strengthened. And some of us might need to strengthen differently. Some of us are sitting here or listening here today. We need to be strengthened through repentance. You see, we need to get our hand out of the powerful snatching grip of sin. For some of us, our hand has been too long in our selfishness and our self-centeredness. For some of us this year, we've drifted into apathy and indifference. For some of us too long, our hand has been gripped in a sin that is sucking the life out of us. And we just need to turn. We need to let go of the hand of sin that's gripping us and place our hand back in the hand of God today in repentance and faith. This turning from and turning back. Letting go of and placing your hand back in God's hand. The very thing that you may have been holding on to for far too long is the very thing that's sucking the life out of you and destroying you. And you need to let it go so that you can be strengthened again. It's time to let go and put your hand back in the hand of God. And that might be you today, a simple act of repentance and faith that you might be renewed and strengthened by God. And that you might be found again in the the eternal assurance and security that God brings. And that God will become again the affirming power at the center of your heart that satisfies your very soul. And as I've reflected on that, I've just become more convinced of my own need. I need to be strengthening in God all the time. And I need people to come and take my hand and remind me, affirm me, take me back and exhort me and enter into my life and strengthen me as we need to do that. So we're going to do that now in communion. We're going to take a moment to allow the Spirit of God to strengthen you. This, this picture, is, is, this is what we've been speaking about. The death and resurrection of Christ. The blood, the elements of God's affirmation and choosing of you, of God's purchasing of you, of God's ransoming of you, of God's forgiving you and setting you free, of God bringing life into you. There's this beautiful picture in this communion moment. And for some of us, it's repentance and faith. For some of us, it's just to sit and receive afresh and allow those elements to speak to us in the Spirit of God to remind us of God's love for you and His reality. So let's pray, and then we're going to Go into communion together and and the musicians will just sing with us and then we'll end. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this word that you haven't forgotten us. Life may be pushing us and squeezing us, but just to be reminded this morning that you have come to strengthen us, that you have done so at great cost, at the cost of your son, yet you laid it all on the line so that we might be brought in. And these, these words of truth, Holy Spirit, would you just manifest them within us, impart them into our heart and soul. We are sons. We are daughters. We are chosen. We are forgiven. We've been transferred from darkness into light. That you have set us free. That we have eternal assurance and security that transcends anything that we might think. Lord, would you just make sense of this for us and would you just break into our hearts and take our hands right now and put them back firmly in your hand. Would you lift us up? Would you invite us and place us back? And would you convict us? Maybe we need to repent. Maybe we need to turn. Would you give us the strength to let go and to take hold again of you? 
Would you lead us and speak and minister to us now, we ask. Amen.